You're listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to the Flow Theory Podcast, a Virginia Cavalier football legend, Wally Sultan Lundy. Wally, thanks so much for coming on to the show, man. Thanks for having me on, Wade. I appreciate you. All right, Wally, let's just get right down to it, my man. I want to talk about this podcast, one of the elements of this podcast, to talk to athletes about their moments in the zone and moments of flow. I know a really big one for you was the 2000 state championship game versus Don Bosco. Oh, and man, you're taking it back. You Ooh. guys you guys were down 28 to 7 and I, and I read uh there was a guy from the Post Courier that wrote something about that and I started laughing because you were like we were down 28 to 7 at halftime and then I went to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like we gave him a little head start, you know. Just wanted to make the game interesting. So, talk to me, talk to me about that second half and uh how well, you uh, know, we how ridiculous I, I, that was for you. Yeah, you know, we, I thought we came out and, um, I mean, I just recently watched the game and I thought we came out strong. You know, I thought, I think we scored first. Uh, they scored, we scored. And then, you know, we had some stall. We stalled out on a, um, you know, uh, in the first half, we stalled out on our side of the field, maybe at the 30 and they scored and McNeil maybe had a turnover and they scored again and, you know, it just we we had offense. The offense was comparable, like as far as gaining yards wise, but we just weren't, um, you know, finishing drives. So I just think in the second half we were confident coming out in the second half that we could move the ball. We just had to score. You know, we had to put the ball in the end zone, and I think we just got. You know, we were fortunate to you know start scoring in the second half, and uh, one of our uh, best players on defense, Brian Bennett, who went to Pitt, uh, University of Pittsburgh who we actually played in the 2000 conference, conference retire bowl. He, uh, he had an interception in the second half that I think where we, uh, you know, we cut it to, you know, maybe one score. And, um, you know, I, I did really good. I had a, I, I can't remember what I had. I think it's all purpose. I maybe had 200 plus all purpose yards, two or three touchdowns. And I had some extra points on uh, conversions that two point conversions that we really needed. So, I mean, it was, it was an exciting game and it came down to the last, um, you know, the last drive, they could have they could have ran the clock out um, if they would have got a first down. We hurt their quarterback, the same guy that um, the linebacker that went to um, Pittsburgh, Brian Bennett. Um, the last drive that they had hurt their starting quarterback, and that's when the kid that went to Rutgers, um, I think his name was Till, um, the quarterback of the yeah, Rutgers, Mike, was, Mike, Teal. Was, Mike, Mike Teal. Teal, Mike Teal, he was that, a freshman. That kid he could spin the ball, man. He was good. Yeah. So Mike Till came in as a freshman and fumbled the snap and we got the ball back. And that's what gave us um, the ball back to kick a field goal at the end of the limit. So he fumbled maybe on the R50, on the 50 yard line. And we, you know, we, I think we got to the maybe 35 and everybody, they didn't rush our kicker because they didn't think he was going to be able to make it. It was a 47 yard field goal with college field goal post. You know, in high school, the field goal post was a little wider. So they didn't rush to um, rush him. You know, he get yeah, free kick. Nobody coming in his face, and I mean, he nailed it with three seconds left, and the rest is history. It was just hilarious because reading that, you know, you were talking about how he hit that forty-seven yarder. You said that was one of the most amazing feelings you'd ever had in football because 
how how long of a distance that was for like a high school kicker and just how you mentioned it was like unbelievable that he hit it yeah and it's uh, unbelievable yeah especially just, when you add in the factor of the college field goal posts are are you know not as wide as high school so you know he's used to kicking it into a wider net and uh you know for him to do that with that much pressure i mean dave king is his name i'm gonna say his name because i mean he 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 was the reason i and our team won the uh, state championship. And I mean, I still, we have, we have talks on, you know, we, we still talk to those guys, the state championship team, and we have watch parties, and, we, we, you know, we reach out to coach. And, you know, I actually, I recruit now, I'm coaching at Lafayette. So I recruit the high school that my, my high school coach is at. So I get to go on the stand sometimes. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty sweet, man. Um, yeah. You know, in the Mike Vick, in the Mike Vick 30 for 30, Wally, uh, one of the things that Mike Vick talks about, he talks about a play where everything was moving in slow motion for him, even though the players were running at full speed. Was there ever yeah. any sort of moment or like a game like that for you? I mean, I know you went ballistic in the 2002 Continental Tire Bowl, but I'm curious if um, you ever had any experiences like that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think when I first realized I was really good at football. Um, you know, I, I was good. I played varsity as a freshman, but I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't taking over. I, I, I did it okay. And when I, I realized my, I think it was my sophomore year, Thanksgiving game, we played the rival team and it was Riverside or something. And I just I felt, I felt like I got hot, you know, like, and, and, and I still can feel kind of feel the feeling of what it was, but it just felt like I was moving at a faster pace than everybody. Like nobody could touch me. Uh, uh, you know, the moves that I made, they, they I just felt like I couldn't be stopped. Like I was in the zone. And I think ever since that that game, I had four touchdowns as a sophomore in the Thanksgiving game. It was a big game for us. And I just, I, I, I kind of felt like um, that propelled me to be All-American my junior year. And then, you know, and then All-American wide receiver my junior year and then be All-American running back my senior year. And was that when you were at uh, Florence, Wally? Because I know you were at Florence, and then you transferred to Holy Cross. Yes, yes. I was at Florence for two years. Well, two years in high school. I was actually went to Florence for middle school for sixth and sixth through eighth grade. Um, but two years in high school, ninth and tenth, I played with my brothers and my cousins. So we were the Rundies. We were numbers one through four, which is pretty cool. And uh, and we, you know, we did some really good things there. We uh, one state. Won a state championship in basketball. We went to the state championship of football uh, two years in a row. Um, so, and when they left, you know, our, our team wasn't as good. My brothers went. My brothers went D one. My cousin went D one. The two of them went to Kent. One of them went to UConn. And uh, you know, at that time, I just felt like I wanted an opportunity to go big, bigger. And I didn't think that I could get there from the small school that I was at. Orange is a small group one school. It's one of the smallest, uh, basically what I mean by small is like the amount of kids in a competition you play. It's not the best competition. Right. So, stronger, you know, stronger competition at Holy Cross. Right. Right. Going to Holy Cross, you got to play against the Don Boscos and the Del Bartons. And, the, you know, the Ryan, uh, that, that Don Bosco team that we talked about had Ryan Grant on that. Had the Till brothers, who are actually really good. I'm not the Till brothers, the Toll brothers. Yeah, the Toll um, brothers. For those of the people out there listening to this podcast, or uh, 
Ryan Tolles, one of the most legendary football recruits in the history of New Jersey high school football. Yeah. And Don Bosco, they have got just an incredible program of all the different years that, you know, different state championships and national titles they've won. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how good that program is. New Jersey, yeah, I mean, you know, I never really knew how good New Jersey high school football was, to be honest, until I started following your guys' class and Al Gross started recruiting that area and I was just amazed. Like I, I was just fascinated with New Jersey high school football after you guys came in. And then, then we had Eugene Monroe and we had a lot of yeah. other guys from yeah, that. Yeah, no, New Jersey, man, it, it's a lot of athletes from New Jersey. You know, New Jersey, I would say first and foremost, is probably a basketball state just because the North Jersey is, um, you know, a lot of those kids from New York come to a lot of those private schools. Uh, but you get a lot of the private schools in North Jersey that get, um, you know, that recruit kids like the Don Boscos and now was um uh, um uh, St. Joe's McCutcheon and uh, uh what's the big one and one that Julius uh Julius not Julius Pepper, uh, Jabril Pepper went to he's from North Jersey. Him, No Sean Moreno. Um, oh Middletown, you know, Middletown. Yeah, so it, it's you know, we it's it's a bunch of Skill players. I wouldn't say New Jersey's filled with a lot of O-linemen like Eugene Monroe. You know, he's a rarity. Um, but skill-wise, when we have a bunch of skill players, running backs, receivers, cornerbacks, um, you know, we got them all. I mean, uh, I think South Jersey had, you know, from every year that I went, we had somebody get drafted or, get, or at least play in the NFL from, from when I went, got drafted in 06 until. You know, it's always a running back or you know, receiver that's in the league from South Jersey, which is, you know, it's very competitive. And we, we, you know, I think they, what South Jersey does a good job of is, is bringing all those kids. Like I competed with a lot of those kids as, as you, as a youth. So, you know, we, uh, I think we iron sharp as iron, we move each other better. Like I played on a, um, on an AAU team. I was pretty good at basketball too. I played on an AAU team with J.R. Smith and Jay Williams. And uh, we played against guys Tyson Chandler and uh, uh, man D Brown and a bunch of these guys. And you know, we just you know just to be on that team and to see where those guys actually went. And Jr. went right out of the you know right out of high school to the league. And, and Jay Jay Williams was the you know player of the year in college. And he's doing pretty well for himself now. So you know, Taquan Dean. If you ever heard of Taquan Dean, yeah, Taquan Dean, yeah, yeah. So you know, a lot of those guys are my friends and. No, and it was, uh, you know, uh, it's cool to, to play against the best because I think that creates that competitive edge. And then when you get to against other good competition, you're like, oh, well, I, I, I've, I've already molded myself and prepared myself for this. You know, I think South Jersey and New Jersey in general does a good job of, you know, doing that with the young athletes. Talk to me about playing with J.R. Smith, Wally. I had no idea that you played – AAU ball with him. That guy, you talk about a human highlight reel. Jesus. I mean, truly to this day, if I had to name top five highlight reel, like basketball, he would probably be in top 10 for sure. JR Smith, he he can do some crazy things on a basketball court, Wally. I mean, the kid was dunking. I mean, I met him when I was a sophomore. He was a freshman. And I always tell people this. I actually started over him. (laughs) <laughs> but I was older. I was older, and we didn't know. We didn't know like what he had. Like, 
you know, he, he quickly turned into be a really good player. Um, but, you know, it was cool. I got to meet his parents and his sister. And, you know, we traveled together to, you know, uh, different tournaments. I remember one tournament, the Bob Gibbons tournament. Uh, me and his sister were, you know, his sister's like, oh, you don't have a good game this game. He's like, you're going to hit three threes. And I ended up hitting three threes that game. I'm like, oh, you're psychic. I got to, you know, I got to sit around you for the rest of the game. Cause you, you know, because I actually have a good game that game. But uh, JR was, you know, He's always he's a great kid, great competition. Uh, he was a really good football player at Lakewood, um, but you know he got he was better in basketball and it showed by the highlight reels. And you know I didn't get to see that Jr. Um, I think he really his game uh, excelled when he did the PG year. Um, um, he said he did an actually did an actually in high school, so I think his game like went to the next level that year. Because the guy I seen wasn't going straight to the NBA. Like he was a good player, he could play in college, but not like straight to the NBA good. And I think his game went from you know from being a college level player to being NBA player over that year. And I always tell players that story because like you know don't ever, don't ever, ever, ever sell yourself short on where you are to where you can go because it's guys that you know were just going to be a good college player ended up being an uh, NBA a good NBA player having a really good career, you know? So just, you know, always keep working. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. Right. To to this day, his speech, uh, I remember that speech he gave in the NBA finals where he, uh, he broke down crying, you know, just talking about, you know, all the different things he'd been through. And uh, it was a touching, it was a touching speech, man. It was just very raw, real, you know, emotional. And, uh, I mean, I'll I'll never forget that speech J.R. Smith gave. Yeah, man, he, he's he's a good dude. He come from a good family, uh, you know. I, I actually spent some time with him when I was in Houston. Uh, he came over the house and we, you know, chopped it up. Him and Sean Singletary, when Sean was down there training with uh, I forget the uh, ah, I forget the guy's name. Some played in the NBA for a little bit. He holds Luke Lucas something. He, he was the head coach for the Sixers for a while. Ball head, black. Uh, black Mike uh, or John Lucas? John Lucas, that's his name. John Lucas. So he had, he held like a, a camp down there, our uh, NBA training camp, and Jr. and Sean was there. That's what, when he and Sean declared for the draft uh, his junior year and he came back. But he was down in Houston, so I got to hang out with them uh, there. And that's the last time I actually saw him in person. That was years ago. But um, you know. Still a good dude. That's cool, man. Talk to me about your your recruitment process coming out of high school, Wally. I, I know it kind of came down to the wire. I feel like you made your decision last minute coming out of high school. Yeah. And I, I was just so excited, like Virginia got you, because I was thinking, I was thinking you were gonna go to Boston College. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, this guy's gonna go to Boston College. Yeah. You know what? And uh it, it was a toss up. It was a toss up. And um you know, I think it came down to where I felt, who I felt more comfortable with on a visit. And uh, I, I just recently told Marcus Higgins this at the coaching convention. Um, but Marcus Higgins was, um, you know, uh, there on a visit. He was a freshman, had redshirted. And I just thought he was a, you know, I don't say this to him when I, before I got there, but I, I can say it now as I look back. Is I just thought he was like a cool person to be around. I thought they were, you know, treating me like family. And I was like, oh, you know, I, you know, I want to be around Biscuit. You know, like I, 
I, I like being around Muffin and, and the rest of the guys and Billy McMullen was, you know, they, they treated me like family. And, you know, I, I you know, I also, also with, with swayed my decision, a couple of things. So it was that, and also um, I wanted to play on grass and the ACC played on grass and our home field was grass and Boston College was turf. So that's, a, that's one thing that hurt them uh, that may help me make my decision at Virginia. And I think the last, well, two, two more things. Two more things. Um, so Al Bro told me when he was recruiting me, and I remember this like it was yesterday. He said, hey, Mr. Sweeney, he was coming from the Jets. He was the head coach. He was like, you know what, Wilder? Uh, I still I still want to coach NFL players, and I'm still going to do it. I'm just going to do it before they get to the NFL. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and I, and I was like the key. I was like, oh, man, I was like, that's a good pitch right there. And the last thing was like maybe like the – day or two before, and I don't even know if this is legal, um, uh, Mike Grow, and maybe it was Ron Prince, drove up to New Jersey in the truck to my house and brought the number. Now, they told me I was going to get number four. I, I didn't get it. Um, they had the number four jersey with Lundy on it. Like, well, hey, we want you hunking the horn. They couldn't come talk to me. They just had it out there, waving it. Look out this window. We want you. We want you. And I'm like, man, that, that's that is, they They... They got it, you know, because that's the last thing. That was the last thing I saw before I, I uh, committed, you know, and uh, I think that's what got me. You know, I, I just felt like it was more of a fit for me, a, a family. I had the family vibe. I felt like the coach was one, you know, we were on the same page and we were playing on grass. So it all just, you know, it came together. So Boston College was good, man. Those were good guys recruiting me, but. You know, Virginia, I'm, I, I, if I had to make the decision again, I'd make it uh, a million times over. You know? you know, that 2002 recruiting class was special for a lot of reasons. But, you know, you guys were ranked in the top five in the country uh, recruiting class. I think Tom Lemming ranked you guys number four in the country. And I was just so mm-hmm. excited about all the different guys in that class. Like, I'll never oh, forget man, yeah, the first time I got to watch all you guys, like, the first game, like it was, I'll never forget that man. Like that yeah, first man. game, you guys were all out there. We we just knew yeah. you guys were going to be great. And not only that, I remember reading Al Groves quotes about you in fall camp. It's like this kid is going to be a beast. Like I can yeah. just, I can tell, man. Al Grove. Sometimes coaches, certain coaches will tip you off as to which players are going to be really good. And he was just gushing mm-hmm. about you in fall camp. I'm like, this kid's going to be a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, man, that fall camp was really hard. You know, that was one of the hardest camps I ever did through or not. And, uh, you know, I had to have come out ready every day because those guys, they knew we were the, you know, the, as a player, you know that what the class is and who they're coming in. And you coming in to compete, even though they're your teammates, you're going to compete and try to show them, like, look, we here, we going to, you know, we're going to be really good. And I think, you know, iron sharp as iron. We came in and we competed really hard. Um, and I think, you know, me coming there helped make Alvin Pillman better. And he helped make me better. And us coming in, you know, uh, with some of the other guys that were already there, that redshirt, like Keith Miller and, and uh, Marcus Hagan and guys like that, that redshirt and, and basically were freshmen when we were, we were all – freshman at the same time on the field and I think it just all gelled together man it was just like a like everything just 
happened right at the right time. You know, I think the only thing that we didn't do was win the national championship, which I think we had the players just, you know, broke down a couple of times, you know, a squad of state games and a couple of games, you know, that we, we wish we could have had back. Um, but, man, it was an amazing time to be around such a great group of guys and friends that I talk to this day. And, um, like Mike Johnson, you know, Mike Johnson was a big time recruit when, uh, you know, coming out of high school. He was a oh, yeah. He, like, he was like a top, top 15 uh, player in the country. Yeah, in the country, yeah. So, you know, just being around those guys and, and uh, you know, being able to compete at that level with that, that type of talent, I think is what made us so good because none of us came in with the attitude that we already made it. We were, we wanted to compete for it. And, uh, and, and I mean, it was, it was, it was hard, man. It was, it was tough because I tell my, I tell guys this now. I say, man, I, I would be walking up to the McHugh Center and I would see Alvin Pearman out there on the jug catching balls or, you know, uh, out on the field doing the ladder. And I'm like, oh, no, man, I gotta, I gotta go out and get my work in because she's not going to outwork me. He's not going, you know, it was a competition. We were great friends. But it's like, uh, who's who's going to be the man? You know, I think we all wanted to be the guy. And I always tell the guys, like, when you have that type of competition in your room, position room, I mean, we had, I think, five guys, NFL running backs in the room at one time where Marcus Weeks played on the NFL uh, team for the Seattle Seahawks. Alvin Pearman, me, Jason Snelling, Cedric Pearman, you know, uh, Rashawn Jackson. You know, so we had, um, and there's a lot of guys in the room that, you know, that got shot from the NFL that, you know, are in shots and drops, you know, and I, I think us creating that culture I and mean, that class coming in helped build that competition level and take it, help take us to the next level. Yeah, I agree, Wally. One game I want to talk about in the 2002 season, Wake Forest. You had, there was a, it was a toss pass. You guys were down Ooh. by 17 at Wake Forest. Dead in the water. They they did a toss pass, <laughs> and, and you and I, I couldn't find the film of this pass, but I remember it vividly. Where the pass that you had, it just barely got to Ryan Sawyer. Like I feel like it was a duck, but it got there. That pass, I threw it up blindly. <laughs> <laughs> I threw it up. I threw it up for my guy to go make a play. And it was not supposed to go to Ryan Story. I believe it was to the tight end. It should have been the Heath Miller. And I threw it up, and he tapped it in the air, and Ryan Story just happened to be Johnny on the spot and catch the ball right behind. He, he tapped it up, and Ryan was running right behind him and caught it and ran it in for the, into the end zone. Crazy to play as I mean, it wasn't supposed to go to Ryan Story, but Johnny on the spot. You know, football guys are with me that day. So, I mean, it was, it, it was, uh, it was not supposed to go to Ryan Story. But, hey, I think the touchdown pass. And coming coming back to win that one, it was just kind of one of those, it was just another example of that 2002 season. And what a special season that was for Virginia football. I mean, you guys always found a way in a number of games. And, like, yeah, that one, yeah. to be down 17 on the road and to come back and win, I mean, that was one of the sweeter wins of that season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember that game like it was like it was yesterday. You know, actually, um, my um, officer coordinator when I was with the Texans, uh, Calhoun, let's say Jim Calhoun, or I forget his first name. Um, he's the head coach at Air Force now. He was the uh, offensive coordinator at uh, at uh, Wake Forest when we played in that game. 
So when I got to the Texans, he also talked about that path that I just threw up. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a good game. You know, we had a lot of guys uh, with a lot of fortitude and, and never give up. I think that was like Daryl Blackstock's breakout game where he had like maybe three or four sacks that game. And, um, you know, I think, we, you know, us being young guys, we didn't know about, you know, that we weren't supposed to be good. They had us picked to be number uh, the uh, second worst team in the ACC that year. We were, you know, we were coming in to compete. You know, we were going to play every game and not and not give up until the clock struck zero. You know, and I think that um, with Coach Groves mentoring and, and uh, him getting us ready during camp uh, for the games and for the season, uh, with how hard it was. I mean, I was doing two, uh, 14 straight two a days. You know, and that's unheard of now. I mean, they, they can't even do that now. But 14 straight two days, man, 28 practices in 14 days. And it was probably the hardest thing I ever did in my football career. Um, and I think that prepared us for the, the hard times during the season. Us being down 17 um, to Wake Forest. Us being down 21 to uh, North Carolina. Uh, you know, it just prepared us for the, the rigors of the season. Yeah. Talk to me about the 2002 Continental Tire Bowl, Wally. I know you had 239 all-purpose yards and four TDs that day, and I still oh, remember yeah. I still remember being in that stadium, and all of your family members were in like the front row cheering you as you were getting the MVP award. I mean, it was it was pretty epic, man. That was one of my favorite uh, Virginia games of the past 20 years. I mean, we absolutely oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. thrashed them, but. Um, yeah, I, I love that you know, game so much. Oh man, it was a, a great game to be a part of. I think uh, West Virginia added fuel to the fire. I believe one of their their linebackers, you know, they came out during warm ups and he gave he gave the slit throw, came to the fifty yard line and gave the slit throw action. Um, <laughs> you know, and we uh, we were mad. I was mad about. It. I was I was hyped up, and I came out with my hair on fire. You know, and. Um, we play like it. We play like we wanted it more. And, you know, I remember the commentator saying after, before, I, you know, after the game was over and I watched the game, before the game, they said, oh, this game was already decided in the weight room because they were bigger than us. They were ranked number 13 in the country. They had, they, they thought they should be playing in a better bowl. You know, they didn't respect it. So, you know, it was a really good game to be a part of. And just to have the be able to be MVP of the first conference of the tire bowl, I mean, I always, you know, be a, a, uh, a blessing to me and uh, you know uh, it's just that you know it's real really really humbling you know to look back on that and know that that was the breakout game for me you know that I was uh, uh, Sports Illustrated uh, all bowl team you know um, so you know it, it's uh, it's definitely a blessing I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity that to be even play in it and the coaches believing in me and you know my players believing in me and uh, you know, it was exciting. You know, it was just it's, uh, it was definitely a, a really good period in Virginia football history. Talk to me about the run. You had a really nice run against Syracuse that I feel like uh, embodies your uh, running style in a lot of ways. It's a 27-yard yeah. TD run where yeah. you kind of you you make a couple guys miss. You went to the right just a little, and then you made a couple guys miss, and then you slipped back to the left side and ran yeah. for a 27-yard TD run. Talk, walk me through that run, Wally. Man, you know what? The play was designed to go to the left originally. It was never designed to go to the right. 
But when I got the ball, I feel like I saw uh, it was a defender right in my face or somebody was getting knocked back. So I'm like, you know, let me change the direction. Instinct is like change the direction, try to get out of the, try to not have a, a, a negative play. And that's the biggest thing. Always get the ball back to the line of scrimmage for a running back. If it's ugly, get us back to the line of scrimmage, we'll let the play another day. So I'm, I'm doing my best I can. If somebody penetrates, I'm trying to get to back of the line of scrimmage. So I go, I hesitate right. And then I, if somebody there, so I'm like, I put my foot in the ground, I'm getting the ball upfield. And when I, when I put my foot in the ground, if I went right, I mean, I see a hole where I just got to beat one guy that's in the hole. You know, I kind of sidestep him and, and get slithered through the, the hole. And, you know, that was that. I, I remember coming back to the sideline and Coach Ron Prince was saying, uh, you know, that's the best run I've ever seen, you know, I've ever seen in, in college football. You know, and it was, you know, at at the time, I didn't, I'm like, whatever it is. It's just a simple <laughs> run, you know. Like, to me, it was, to me, when I was actually running the play, it was like, oh, I'm just, you know, trying to make this not a bad play. I didn't know how it looked to, you know, the people that were watching on the sideline. But once you sit back and watch, you know, it's a special play, man. And it's, uh, you know, as a tribute, actually, uh, you know, tribute to my teammates to, to, to you know, Finish the play. Like they never gave up on a the play. They keep fighting because they could have gave up on a play once the something broke down in the backfield and let the guy, you know, tackle me in the backfield. But they kept fighting and and believed in me that I could, you know, at least get his back to the line of scrimmage. And you know, it worked out where a hole opened up and I was able to score, man. So, uh, you know, a little luck always comes with those type of plays. And I just think, you know, it was probably a little luck more than anything. But I, I'll say it was skill. Yeah, that was that was an amazing run, man. I really really liked that run a lot. Talk to me about the 2005 game versus FSU. Marcus Hagans to this day one of the best quarterbacking performances I will ever see in my life. Uh, of all time, of all time. I mean, man, that was you know, it was it's just just to be there and watch it, you know. Me not I wasn't completely healthy to, um, but I played in the game and, uh, just to be there and, uh, you know, be able to assist Marcus and, you know, the, the plays that he was making. I mean, they couldn't touch him, you know, you just thought they had him sacked for, for in the backfield. He throws it to me for a check down and I scored 16 yard touchdown or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, he did that all night, made plays with his legs and then threw it, um, uh, to, you know, to keep us in the game and, to, uh, you know, help us win the game eventually, uh, you know, one of his breakout games. I remember uh, Bobby Bowen saying after the game, just couldn't stop that darn 18. You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, Marcus Higgins, man. You know, all the credit to him. He put in a lot of work to be who he was. I mean, the kid was playing. He got moved because my job was had did so well that my freshman year we moved him to receiver because we knew how good of a player he was. We just wanted to get him on the field. And then Matt Schaub goes down, and we have to move him back after he already uh, changed position, you know, just a special talented, special talent uh, mentally to be able to, you know, change positions to wide receiver and they have to change, change back. And then in that, I think it was the Western Michigan game, he had a hell of a game, you know, so, you know, it's not, un, it's not, to me, it wasn't like, oh man, I can't believe he's doing this versus Florida State because, you know, we know what type of uh, we knew what type of uh, build Marcus uh, Hagen had, and you know, and uh, what type of player he was. You know, a, a funny quote from uh, Marcus Hagen's. I don't know if he told this to 
Mike Smith or John Schumann, who was his postgrad coach at Fork Union, but he said, Coach, I give it, I give it, uh, what did he say, 110%, 100% for me and 10% for the other guys that are slacking off. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's a good quote. I haven't heard him say that, though, but yeah, that, that is a good quote. You got to pick up the slack for the guys that's not giving the 100%. <laughs> I always wonder why why people give 110. percent I thought you only could give 100, but but that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. t- talk to me about the Music City Bowl and the 2005 Music City Bowl, and uh, I know that game okay. was really back and forth, and I was at that game, and yeah. I tell you what, I'll never forget looking like the the final pass by Cupido to Ernie Wheelwright. I'll never forget watching that because the whole time I'm looking at the Minnesota fans to see what their reaction was. And they were just mm. quiet the whole time. And then all of a sudden Marcus Hamilton comes out of the pile with the ball. Yeah. Marcus Hamilton was always good for those, those picks. Man. He was always finding stuff in the right spot. Um, you know, it was a really good game. I was excited to go up against, uh, I think it was, um, uh, Maroney. Lawrence yeah, Maroney. Yeah, Lawrence Maroney. Yeah, uh, you know, he was a really good back, one of the best backs in the country. And, uh, um, and I remember him, you know, uh, just watching him over the season and, and wanting to compete, you know, wanting to, you know, come out with a better game. And, uh, also remember because that's the game that I set the, uh, the ACC record for, uh, touchdown. Right. So I think I needed two and I scored two that game. And I remember we were on the goal line and, and we had Marcus Hayes had a great day throwing the ball that game. And you know what you did? We were, we were basically on the five and they were tossing and tossing it. And then Coach Go got on the, got on the, uh, got on the headset and just run the dang on ball. And we ran the ball and I scored a touchdown. So I appreciate Coach Go for that believing in me. So, cause, but we were throwing the ball really well. So it was understandable. You know, I'll never forget Hagen's in that game when he was he was in the end zone and he almost got a safety and he he stumbled and and he was like and he got out of it and he said that he couldn't go to the end zone and look Coach Grow in the face if he'd gotten a safety. Oh no, man, Coach Grow was you know why that? Why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> coach Grow, but he was a really good coach, really good teacher. Um, made you understand the situations in the football game, you know, taught you the game of football to where you knew, uh, you know, when to be smart, when to take chances. Um, you know, it, it really lets you know, like, the why, the why, why you're doing it. You know, I think if you know the why and you trust the the, the game plan um, and you trust the people that you're with and the players that you that's on the team, I think, uh, you know, you play harder. You know, you, you can trust, you trust the, the program. And I think we trusted the program and that's why we, you know, we play so hard for our coaches and our players. Talk to me about uh, getting 52 total touchdowns, Wally, and, and setting the ACC touchdown record. Now you're, you're currently in third place, but at the uh, time, at the time it was the record. So talk to me about yeah, you know, uh, and, and setting such an I impressive have, record. It, it held for a, for a while. Um, you know, when you go into it, you always want to, you, you don't go into it to set records. You go in and try to win games, you know. I think if your main focus is going and try to win games and play hard, I think that, you know, the accolades come with. And, um, you know, it's 
uh, it's exciting to me. You know, I appreciate Heath Miller catching the ball and getting tackled on a one a lot because you know all of those one yard touchdowns count. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I was the goal line guy, so anytime we got around the five yard line, it was, we we had. I mean, we had what four or five offensive linemen that played in the NFL. We had Brad Butler, who was there when I was there. He played for the Buffalo Bills for a while. Uh, Elton Brown, who got drafted in the third round, and then we had uh, 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 the Shaw, who went, you know, top four. And then our other who was our other guard? I'm uh, uh, Bart Bart Brian Barthelms. Well, yeah, Brian Barthelms. Bartholomew or Bar- Barthelms. Yeah, somewhere. I, I forget his name. Yeah. Like um, but yeah, we, I mean, we had really good, really good old line. And then we had a young Eugene Moreau and a young uh, Brandon Albert. You know, so we, we were, we were stacked. We had, we had guys and we had, uh, you know, I can't say I did it all by myself. You know, I wish I could say that. Yeah, man, you know, 52 touchdowns is all on me. I, a lot of that had to do with our, you know, our, our blocking scheme and our, and our guys giving great effort, effort up front. I'm happy to have it. It's, it is an individual record, but it's not because, you know, you need that uh, 10 other guys working with you to, to actually be able to get it done. Yeah, you were always good at running the screen, Wally. Was that something you always liked, even running back in high school? Oh, yeah, man. You know, I always I always saw myself as a sneaky player, you know, like, and I love to be a little sneaky with the screens, like come up and act like I'm pass blocking and like, oh, what's going on here? You know, and then I sneak out and, and, and the defenders never know, you know. So I always like to to oh the play's going over here, and I always was the guy that could make it look like I was wasn't supposed to, wasn't involved in this play, but then I, I sneak up and catch the ball and score a touchdown. You know, it's funny you mentioning you being a sneaky player <laughs> pops pops this play into my head in the 2002 Tire Bowl. When you you acted like you were blocking, and I didn't realize this at the time, but you fell to the ground. You fell to yeah. the ground, and then you got up and you ran to the end zone, and you were wide open as Schaub yeah. hit Hagens, and then Hagens threw it all the way across the field to you, and you were so wide open. Yeah, oh, man, that was beautiful, beautiful play. I mean, Bill Musgrave was so um, – that was our offensive coordinator, Bill Musgrave. He was very inventive and creative when coming out with offensive plays, not inside the box at all. I wish he was there a little bit longer. Um, he left after our, our freshman year to go coach for the Jaguars, I believe. You're right. You're in, right. Still in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, man, those plays are all his design. You know, I was just a really good actor. I could sell it. Oh, bad cut. It's a bad cut job by me. The guy that he got around me, I get up. And go and run a, a patch route and score a touchdown. You know, so I, like I said, the sneaky, the sneaky part is trying to make you believe that I, I did a bad job on that play when I really did exactly. You're doing exactly what I wanted you to think I did. Yeah, you know, I actually got to meet Bill Musgrave at a sports career mm-hmm. conference several years ago when okay. I was in college, Wally. I got to talk to him about the tire bowl. I was like, dude, that okay. game was so awesome. Yeah, he was yeah. just like, Yeah, man, we got it going. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He 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 definitely he's very innovative. He was a really good guy to be around, really good coach. And um you know, happy to spend time with him in my football career. Really, a, a lot of great football minds. I mean, Coach Gold brought in so many really good coaches that we learned the game from. And, I, uh, you know, I'm uh, still close with a lot of those guys today. And, um, 
you know, appreciate what they got, what they've done for me. And they still doing for me because, you know, I'm, I'm coaching for one of the guys that I play for. Yeah. John, John Garrett. Garrett. John Garrett. Yeah. So, um, talk to me about fresh fusion Wally. I know music, music's played a very big role in your life. And uh, to be honest with you, one of my all time favorite pictures of you was the sports illustrated cover where it said Wally Lundy pimps your iPod and you, and you have yeah. the, you have the headphones on. You can still get that. You can still get that. If anyone listening to this wants to find that, you can still get that on eBay. <laughs> oh man. I, I, you know what? I see people selling that poster and those cars all the time. I'm like, man, if y'all guys are making money, I need 10%. But, uh, no, really. Um, yeah, no, no, that was an exciting time. Not really sure how they picked me for, to be on the cover. I just know, uh, I think one of our guys from the front office called and, and said, oh, you know, and it, first it wasn't supposed to be on the cover. They just wanted to do an interview because they were doing the music issue. And they knew I did, I, like, I did, like, poetry and stuff on campus. Um, and they were going to interview me. And then I did the interview in New York. And then the next thing I know, after the interview, they said, um, halfway through that junior season, uh, they were like, well, they want you to be on the cover. So, you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll be on the cover. Cool. <laughs> and then we did our little photo shoot in the locker room and, you know, the rest of history. So it's, uh, you know, it's exciting to be, you know, for, to be able to show my family that and my nieces and nephews and now my son, I'll be able to show him. So I just think stuff like that is, uh, you know, it's a cool experience. Absolutely. Um, talk to me about some uh, stories that you have from the NFL combine. I want to hear like some behind the scenes of the NFL combine. I hear, I often hear how stressful and, and chaotic the NFL combine experience is for players. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, you know, I want to make this take us a turn on the show, but so my NFL combine was a little different for me because my brother was, was sick at the time my oldest brother, and he ended up passing um, right before the the, the, the combine. And, you know, that was that way heavy on me um, at the combine. So for me, it was, uh, you know, it, it was tough because I had to do it for my, you know, because I put all this work in to get here. But it was like, man, my mind wasn't, my mind, my heart wasn't there. My mind was there, but my heart was, you know, I was hurting. Um, and, you know, I, I, I believe that the, when I was at the, the 40 yard dash and I can remember saying to myself, like, man, I have to do this for my niece and nephew that don't have their dad anymore. You know, like I got to, uh, run a good time. I got to get drafted. I got to be able to help them, you know, and that was my thought process then. And, um, you know, I ended up running a good time and, uh, I think I ran a four, four, five at the combine. Uh, but the combine was, you know, I, I played a lot of, you know, emotional music, a lot of religious music, a lot of uplifting music just stayed in my ears the whole time, just try to build me up because I was, you know, I was, uh, you know, going through a hard time and, you know, at the time. So, and I felt like my brother was right there with me, uh, you know, kind of just, you know, watching over me as I went to the interviews and, and ran the 40 and did all the workouts. And I had a really, I mean, I, I think I finished basically top five and everything. And, uh, you know, I think that helped me get drafted because my senior year, I kind of got hurt. At Virginia, so I mean, I only played in a few games. Yeah, I know you sprained your foot. Um, yeah, my, senior yeah. year. Do you yeah. have any funny stories about uh, pranks? Any sort of funny pranks? I heard Pat McAfee, the Pat McAfee show. He always talks about 
uh, funny stuff on his show. Did you have any funny pranks? Pranks with the Texans. Um, oh, with the Texans. Well, you know what? I didn't think it was funny, but they, everybody else thought it was funny. Uh, Jerome Mathis. Uh, he was the uh, return man, receiver. He thought it would be funny to take the running backs' clothes that were in our lockers, uh, the rookies, and throw all our clothes with all our phones and keys and everything into the cold tub. Oh my you know? gosh! He, he turned <laughs> your cell phone into the cold tub. Everything. What? It was all stuff that was in my in my clothes. Oh my gosh! So, and uh, it which was, wasn't funny, but everybody else found it funny, and I was pissed. Oh uh, yeah, I <laughs> would. Now been... you look back at. I would have been pretty heated, man. <laughs> but now you look back at it, you know it's all in good humor, man. Um, you know, guys are doing stuff to initiate you. You know, we did the whole taping people to the to the goalposts and and having to carry everybody's shoulder pads and helmets up to the stadium after practice. So, you know, but the, the I guess the, the funniest thing or the the, the the craziest prank was. Was uh you no know, getting my stuff tossed in the cold time. Was it just uh you and and the other rookies or like other uh, running uh, backs? Oh no, us and the other rookie running backs. So Chris Taylor and uh, Damian. Uh, what's my boy Damian? He played for the he played with Syracuse running back. Uh, his name. I forget his name, but Damian Rhodes. Uh, Damian Rose and Chris Teller was the two all. It was three of us there, so they threw all of our stuff in. All good. Um, I forgive them. <laughs> talk, <laughs> talk to me about your. Um, I'm curious, Wally. I know you're a big time. You're a diehard Eagles fan. What are some of your favorite NFL throwback uniforms? Throwback uniform. Yeah, for the mm-hmm. NFL. I like the Eagles. I like that it was powder blue and yellow. I mean, I've never seen him wear it, um, but you see it on uh, – I always see it on Madden. Um, I also like the Green Bays, uh, their old yellow and blue with yellow helmets and the uh, tan pants. Uh-huh. I really like those throwbacks. Uh, the choice throwbacks I like, kind of think we love. I'm a big fan of the Oilers, the the sky blue oh, yeah, with the, oh, with yeah, the like uh, oil rig on the helmet. Yeah, yeah, I like those too. I like the old school Buccaneers with the with the. Oh, uh, I was just about to say that. I like Buc- the orange. The orange. Bucko Bruce. I think that's what yeah. that guy's called. Yeah, that's my son. You're here in the background. Yeah, right? yeah, I got you. I got you. That's, that's uh, Xavier, right? Yeah, Xavier. Yeah, that's my boy. Talk to me about watching uh, watching Virginia win the national title in basketball, Wally, and uh, oh, man. how amazing that was. Oh man, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Like you know. I'm on the edge of my seat, you know, I'm like, Oh, come on, let's go. Like, you know, cause I was, I was diehard and went, uh, basketball fan. I'm, I played basketball. So I went to every basketball game when I was at Virginia. So, you know, I just love to see those guys play. And I think, I always think basketball players are the most skilled athletes because they got to use every part of their body. Um, but you know, I always went to all the games and just to be, able to see where they came from when I was there, uh, you know, not being great to them getting Sean and me being close friends with Sean and really getting into the tournament then and then be able to see how far they came to start to get those guys like Malcolm and uh, um, the kid that's on um, the Sixers, I forget his name. Uh, Talking about Mike Scott? Mike Scott. 
and uh, you know, uh, all the players, Joe Harris, just just to see the, the program build and where uh, where we started and where we are now, man. It, it, it's a beautiful thing, and for us to to you know go through all the trials, to lose in the first round the, the, the year before uh, to the 16th seed, the first time it ever happened, we would come back and and win it all, man. Especially in the fashion that he did. Some of those games were amazing. <laughs> yeah, man, some dude. of those games were just like this. You know, so you know, kudos, man. I, it was. I was very proud. Still, I'm very proud to be a who a Cavalier. You know, and excited to celebrate with the with the who with the who family. Yeah, you know, in the Purdue game, I'll be honest, man. Once I saw Kyle Guy go down with the ankle, I saw him crying. I was like, "That's it." I was like, "That's the season. Yeah. We're cursed. It's yeah. over." I was like, "I can't yeah. fucking believe this." Like, I was so mad. Yeah, I was I was nah. furious. I, I thought that was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was um you know, shoot, Kihei getting that steal, uh getting the ball and then t- tossing it up to was it Mamadi. Yeah. Uh and then him just putting it up like you know, he put it up like it was like nothing. I know, you know like I know. It, it, it was uh, you know, that was exciting. His reaction <laughs> after that was hilarious. Yeah, like I'm like, yo, you act like it wasn't a big shot. <laughs> but oh, uh, man. man, it was uh, beautiful. And then the, the, I think it was the next game where where a uh, guy got the foul, got foul, right? I right. The game before. Right from the corner. Yeah, yeah. So you know, a lot of close games, man. So it was it was exciting fashion, and it, especially with the how we went out the year before. So I'm, I'm very excited and excited about the future for them. And you know, they got some good guys coming in. And, the core that they're bringing back, you know, I Absol- think will be pretty good. Absolutely. We're loaded. I, I can't remember the last time we were picked to win the national title in basketball. <laughs> yeah, Preseason. Sure. We're, we're <laughs> the favorite. We're the favorite. That's crazy. It's wild, That's awesome, man. Though. It's crazy and awesome, man. Yeah. It just shows you how where you can go when you get the right guys and have the right culture and the right coach. Um, and that was, I think, is where we're going with the football team. You know, I think you know, guys win some big games. They, they did it this year with Virginia Tech, uh, winning a big game. And once you get in those big games and start winning on them, you know, you start to believe. And I think that's, you know, that's the next step for our football program is just to get in those big games like playing in Virginia Tech and playing the Clemson in the, uh, in the, uh, in the championship, ACC championship, and starting to, you know, we won the game against uh, Virginia Tech to get us there and to win the Coastal. And then the next thing is to win the championship. You know, you start to put yourself in a position to get to the national championship or get get to the playoffs. You know, so I think we're close. You know, I think that we got the right guys and the right coaches and some of my old teammates on the, on staff. It's an exciting time to be a uh, to be a Virginia Cavalier. Talk to me about uh, Bryce Perkins, Wally, and what a what a special player he was for the Virginia football program. Oh man, I love Bryce. I follow Bryce Perkins, and I try to get him following back. You know. They don't follow me back. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not big time enough. He, that guy's big time. He's a, he's a, you know, instant uh, UVA legend. You know, yeah, that absolutely. Kid, uh, I mean, he he carried the team. Um, you know, without him, I don't know where we would be. Um, uh, you know, he he he. he I think he kind of made everybody else believe that they could do it. And uh, you know, he had had some plays where I'm like, man, this kid is is awesome. You know, and I, and uh, you know, sad. Uh, to see him leave, but also sadder to see that, you know, he don't get drafted. But all you need is opportunity, and he's getting that opportunity because I think he's a, 
he can make plays. You know, if you look at it, the college film, the guy's making plays. You know, and everybody's looking for mechanics and uh, they're looking for uh, measurables. But this guy can play. You know, he can play. He shows it every game. He carries. Yeah, you know? and I, I think he'll. I, I think he'll have a good career. Yeah, I totally agree, Wally. I was pretty shocked that Bryce Perkins and Hasis Dubois, both of those guys, weren't drafted. The NFL draft. It's always a very it's a very puzzling thing to me. And I know sometimes like guys have, you know, agents that have connections to certain teams that help them get spots. But, yeah. uh, I mean, to me, like, okay, so what? They didn't go to the combine, but like those guys tape, like Bryce Perkinson, Hasis Dubois had some of the best tape of any player in the country. Like I get it. It was a really deep wide receiver class, but Hasis Dubois, was unguardable. That that jump ball yeah. catch he made against Florida, like show me yeah. another receiver that can make that grab. Yeah, I man. You know, it's it's some of it got to do with politics because a lot of the, a lot of those teams want to take the SEC guys because they think that's the better division, which is it's whatever it is what it is. Um, but yeah, you know, it, you know, let them take a. Sometimes it's better to go in unguarded. You know, you go in with a chip on your shoulder. You know, I, I um I played in the um the East West Shrine game with man, uh, Marcus no Marcus Colson got drafted. It was the other kid that was with Packers. I can't remember his name. He was at Western Michigan, played in my senior year. Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings went undrafted. And he had a chip on his shoulder. You know, a chip on his shoulder. I think he went undrafted. I'm not sure about that. Don't don't quote me on that. But Either either way, he played with a chip on his shoulder because he knew he was better than where he where he where they predicted projected him at, and he had a long career. Same thing with Marcus Colston. like he came from a small school, um, and and you know, getting to know these guys through our the draft process, you know, these guys uh, are just as good as some of these other players that's in the draft, and it shows once they get to the NFL. But it's politics, you know. They didn't go to these big schools. To where the, uh, the uh, Georgia or Alabama or you know Clemson, where these big schools that would get all this notoriety, where the, the fourth guy on the fourth wide receiver is getting a look, you know, getting drafted. While guys out here that's probably a lot better than them, and just maybe you know had a late growth spurt, or uh, you know, kind of came into their body late, and uh, you know and developed into a better player than they were when they came out of high school. Yeah, Wally, talk to me about what are your thoughts on player compensation in the NCAA? I know they, they have the, the new endorsement Damn. rule that's coming. Damn, pay the player. Yeah. I'm all for it. I'm all for paying the players. I'm, yeah, give them, give them the money, man. Because you know what? Uh, when I was there, we, we used to, some of the other players on the team, we used to look around. At the, in the stadium and just see all these jerseys, all these jerseys, number 33 jerseys, number 18 jerseys, number 89. I mean, the whole stadium is filled with all these jerseys. Like, where is the money going? And then there's 66,000 people at the game. Where is the money going? Because, you know, and, they, and, and you know, it's good. It's good that you get the, the free education. That's great. But some of these kids, uh, coming from nothing, you know, and the free education is not enough. They, you know, they don't have money in their pocket or they can't, they don't got, they don't have, uh, you know, they're not that means to get new clothes and they are, you know, different things. Are, even just to give the money to 
you know, be able to save money to put away. Maybe if they're not going to the league and they can potentially make some money now, you know, uh, let these kids, uh, and maybe you don't give them the money. I always thought maybe you don't give them the money right away while they're in college. Maybe that that's not the right, that, that's not the answer. But put it in a, 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 a trust, account, right? a trust, put it in a trust. And once they graduate, they have to graduate, they get the money once they graduate, you know? And I think that's fair. You know, because maybe kids don't need that money on campus. Maybe they get into too much. You know, they got to stay hungry. So stay hungry to get your degree and stay hungry to play football. You know, as long as you finish and get your degree, you get your money, you know? Yeah, I agree, Wally. I I definitely think they need some sort of – they got to have some sort of extra stipend for a lot of these guys in college. I mean, I heard stories like Mikkel Simpson came came on my show and he was talking about how he couldn't pay for he couldn't even put gas in his car. And this guy's like the star running back on a roster. Yeah. Like that should never happen. Like yeah. no way. Like, sorry. It's to me, I think a good idea would be about three grand a month for every player. Um, I don't uh, endorsements, it's gonna kind of be like the Wild West, you know, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, what's Reggie what's, what's, Reggie Bush seems to be uh, in support of endorsements. So yeah, because what's what's going to stop is, and what you got a lot of, and it happened at Virginia too, is guys that come around that will take advantage of these players that want money. Yeah, you know, I could guys see that. Come around that. I could see that. Oh, uh, sell me your this and sell me your that, you know, and I'll give you this amount of money, and guys will do it, you know, because. They need the money. They they don't got gas, so they 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 ran out of plus dollars and don't have no food to eat once the you know the cafeteria closes, you know. So, um, yeah, man, I, it's understandable, but I think you can cut some of those guys out um, that's trying to come in and you know jeopardize these guys' playing careers um, because these guys will take the money and because they're not getting anything from from you know all this money being generated in college football. Yeah, I agree, Wally. You know, it, it's an interesting thing. When I first started this podcast, it was all I was like, "All right, I'm just going to talk to all these athletes about like being in the zone." But talking to all you guys, it makes me realize it's like there's so many more stories you guys have to share, and and the voice of player compensation in the NCA. I feel like my podcast can definitely be a voice for that for sure. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, speak on it, man. You know. Because the more you speak out about it and the more we're for it and for these players, uh, you know, being able to benefit off of their likeness um, and not let somebody else benefit off of them. You know, these, yeah. these guys are making all this money. You know, I don't want to say nothing. You know, yeah, things, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Got, you know, so. you know um, what are your thoughts on the Reggie Bush situation? I'll give you my 10 cents and then I'll let you go. I thought the Reggie Bush situation was such bullshit. Like the whole, I I could not believe that the Heisman trust would take away Reggie's Heisman because money is not a performance enhancing substance. I mean, this man yeah. went out there, one of the greatest college football running backs of all time. And you guys strip him of like one of the best awards in sports, you know, like yeah. you, you can't yeah. do that. Like, and not only that you take, I always hate it when the NCAA 
And, and people try to strip these warts away and strip these titles away. It does nothing. Everyone still knows that Reggie Bush was a Heisman Trophy winner. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, I was going to ask you, well, do you, would you consider Reggie Bush the Heisman still? And because uh, to me, the answer is yes. You know, like I consider Reggie Bush the Heisman if he got the trophy or not. Take the trophy. Okay. I don't have the trophy, but I'm the Heisman. Everybody knows Reggie Bush was the Heisman. He was the best player in college football when he was in college. You know, so, you know, you can try to take that stuff away and, you know, with their punishment. And we can say, like, oh, it's, it's so bad. Well, Reggie Bush knew the, knew the rules. You know, you know the rules. And you get caught breaking the rules, it is what it is, you know. Uh, but you still can't take something that's, uh, you know, you may be able to take the, the physical award, but you can't take the, the memory of it. And I think I watched something on, um, on maybe it was on ESPN, where they were talking about the Reggie Bush deal. And, like, you know, yeah, you can take, you can take, uh, the highs in the way you can vacate the, the national championship if they didn't win it, but they don't vacate losses. So the teams that lost to, to um, USC that year still has the losses. It just doesn't say to what team, you know, so like they have a loss, but they take away their wins. And, but these teams that they play still have losses. So they can still say that that team that year went undefeated. You know what I'm saying? They had, or they, they didn't have any losses. Right, you know, so it, um, you know, it's, it's silly, you know, it's all whatever asterisks. I, I think that we know as fans and as uh, players what team won the national championship, who was the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, and, and you know, NCAA. They, I think they are very archaic in their thinking. So, you know, I think they'll eventually get with the times and start to understand why these kids are, are doing what they do because the, you know, the the restrictions are, are hard, especially like if you're coming from a, you know, a background where you, you need the money. Yeah. You know, agree. Or, well, and, I agree. And, and, you know, so. They definitely, you know, they definitely, they definitely need to figure out a system. And, and I don't, I don't know if they're spending enough time working on some sort of an effective system and maybe they are behind the scenes. You know, I, I hope that's the case, but um, they, there definitely needs to be some changes in that for sure. Yeah. Wally, who yeah. was your favorite football player of all time growing up? All time, all time favorite. Hmm. I would guess Randall Cunningham since you're an Eagles fan, but that's just a wild, uh, that's a wild Eagles. guess. I was thinking Eagles and my favorite player. Randall Cunningham is definitely up there, but the first player, and the reason why I fell in love with playing running back would have to be Barry Sanders. Oh, so, so I know is a lot of, you know, I usually go back and watch that, watch his highlights all the time. You know, just the stop and start, the lateral quickness, power, the speed, uh, the agility. I mean, he had it all. You know, when he retired early, I was, I was devastated. I was devastated. I couldn't watch Barry Sanders anymore. And I always was praying that he would come back, that he would, they would release him and he would come back to another team. And, uh, you know, he never came back. Man. And that, that's probably one of the biggest, the, the most disheartening things that a kid ever had to go to. Cause I love Barry Sanders. And I had all his playing cards and his jersey and, you know, everything. So, uh, yeah, yeah uh, I probably my favorite player growing up. But Randall Cunningham was very, I mean, you know, we was bringing it home for Jerome. 
You know, people don't know what that is. That's Jerome Brown was a defensive lineman for the Eagles uh, back well, early '90s, and he died in a car crash. Right. And uh, but the whole saying was, "Bring it home for Jerome." You know, uh, and they didn't do it. But the the weird thing about that is, is that when the Eagles won the championship, it correlated with his birthday and the date, uh, like his number. Like so, it was like a weird thing. Like he was basically watching over the Eagles when we won the when we won the Super Bowl. Wow, I, so, th- I never knew that. I never knew. Yeah, that. it was like yeah, I I, I want to say it was like his birthday or. Um, I forget what it was. I forget what it was. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it. Yeah, you know Barry Sanders, my favorite football player of all time, too, dude. I have a huge, mm-hmm. I have a huge fat head of Barry Sanders, and I have a Oklahoma State painting of uh, Barry Sanders that I got done by someone because I didn't see like there weren't like enough like paintings of him at Oklahoma State, so I wanted to get one with his Oklahoma State uni on. But I love Barry, man. I don't even read books that much, Wally. But I tell you what, Barry Sanders' book—I forget the name of it, dude. But you got to mm-hmm. get it because it had in the back of it, it has a DVD of Barry Sanders' high school, college highlights. Like his high school highlights are absolutely one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. He returns kicks back like it's nothing. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I wanted to bring up the Jerome Brown thing. Go for so it. Jerome for Brown, it. The, the, the Jerome Brown, when we won the Super Bowl, um, so he would have he would have been 52 uh, then, and it was it was Super Bowl 52, which was played on his birthday. Mm-hmm. So Super Bowl 52, he would have been 52, and the Super Bowl was played on his 52nd birthday, which is you know very eerie when we won, we won the Super Bowl, and he was trying to win the Super Bowl when he died, and you know, he on the 52nd Super Bowl on his 52nd birthday, they won the Super Bowl. That's which I think that's is wild, cool. man. That's crazy. Yeah. Life has crazy coincidences like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's so cool. Yeah, that's a, that has to be the oddest coincidence, right? Oh, I was I was so fired up. The Eagles won that Super. I can't stand the Patriots, so oh, I man. loved like. And, and I'll be honest, like. I wouldn't call myself a diehard Eagles fan, but I used to love watching Donovan McNabb. And not only that, Randall Cunningham was a beast. And those oh, old yeah, school, yeah. those old school Eagles unis with like the Eagle and the, uh, oh, the yeah, talents, sure, yeah. like, oh yeah, those unis are classic, man. Those are always one of my oh, favorites. Man. And like the Eagles have always had great players like Brian Westbrook. Dude, that guy oh, was a really beast. Good. And, uh, Brian Westbrook, Deuce Staley, Brian Dawkins, um, dude. Oh my Dawkins, God, D. that D. guy was something else. Man, I, I played. You know, I played against B. Dawkins, Jerome Curse, and Jeremiah Trotter. All those guys were were on the team when I was with the Texans. So it was kind of surreal growing up um, watching those guys, and then and you know, then actually playing against Brian Westbrook and Donovan McNabb. Um, so it was pretty. Uh, it was, it was uh, pretty surreal to be out on the field with the guys you grew up watching. Yeah. yeah, that had to have been pretty unreal. Like, the first yeah. feeling, like, coming coming out of the NFL tunnel for, like, the first regular season game, did you have butterflies in your stomach? Oh, man. I mean, you know, it, it was it was nerve-wracking because we were playing the Eagles, and the Eagles had been my childhood team. And then, you know, you know, the family's there, and... um 
yeah, you know, it, it's definitely, I always try to minimize the nerves and just always tell myself, keep reminding myself it's just football. Like, I, I can play football. You know, if there's a hole, I can run through it. I, I know the protection. But, you know, just trying to make it smaller than what it actually was. You know, and I think that always helped me. Yeah. I mean, I tell you what, it was so much fun watching you for the Who's, dude. You're my favorite favorite Virginia football player of all time. To this day, that's a big reason why I love the number 33, man. It's kind of a unique football number because not a lot of guys have it. But uh, no, no. it was just something else watching you. You'd have you'd have the skull cap. You always rock the skull cap. And then you oh, yeah, always. The clear visor, dude. Talk to me about... Um, Talk to me about rocking the visor. Like, did you did you rock the visor for like was, appearance, or so guys didn't flat. shove their fingers in your like? Because sometimes strictly, guys get their eyes poked out. Yeah, it was strictly swag. Like <laughs> I did it for no other reason, but I wanted to have some swag, so I, I got the, the visor. The visor always added. You know, you look good, play good. But I just felt like it, it helped me look good on the field, so I went with it. Dude, the visor is the best piece of football equipment, hands down. It's it's not even close to me. Like, For sure. you put a visor on any guy, they immediately look like a beast. Like, I love, oh, especially uh, especially a tinted visor. Oh Ooh. yeah, dude, the, the tinted or Ooh. the rainbow, the rainbow visor. Like when Sean Taylor oh, oh, yeah. used to no, wear. That's the, what I was thinking about Sean Taylor, the rainbow like visor. A, man, he like a monster out there. Yeah, dude. Sean yeah, Taylor. We played against Sean Taylor when uh, we played because we played against the Redskins that year before he passed. Uh, he was still playing, so you know. Oh, so yeah, he so looked, so he was playing um, when you were on the Texans. Yeah, yeah, we played when he was on the Texans. I'll never forget his the one game Sean Taylor the FSU game in the rain like. He absolutely took that. It's like pouring rain and just mm-hmm. Sean Taylor oh, yeah, just oh, yeah. running at a different speed, man. He's like a video oh, yeah, game, I, I like that. cheat code. Because I think Roscoe Paris like took the biggest hit in the world that game. Yeah. Stanford Samuels, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, yep. <laughs> to this day, Wally, me and my cousin James, I swear to you, dude, that hit that Stanford Samuels laid on Roscoe Parrish, I have seen that hit at least like yeah. 50 times, dude. Oh my God. Roscoe Parrish, he had to go to the hospital because he had internal bleeding after that hit. <laughs> to this day, that is one of the hardest hits I've ever seen in my life, Wally. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah man. He absolutely rocked him, dude. Just abs- yeah. like Roscoe Parrish's feet left the ground. Like, yeah, I mean, as soon as you mentioned the game, I was like, man, I, that, that that hit popped into my head. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that game because of the hit. Because Brock Berlin totally led him into that, too. It was. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brock was a guy. He was okay. He's a good kid. Good kid. Brock yeah. Well, <laughs> Anyways, Wally, I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to uh, come on the show, man. It it uh, yeah. means the world yeah. to me, my man. Yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me on and you know being a talk some ball and bringing back on these all these old memories. I love bringing, I love reliving the past, man. Cause I don't like it, man. There's good times and a lot of good people and a lot of good, really great music. Yeah, we wish you nothing but the very best of luck with the Lafayette Leopards <laughs> and. Uh, and with your family and your and your kid. 
and your and Thank your life. You. I appreciate that, Ray. I appreciate it, man. You got a family. I wish the same to you. Wish you well and with your podcast. Hopefully you blow up one day and I see you on ESPN. <laughs> and, um, and I, yeah, I really, I really do, man. Hopefully you're doing, you, you're doing a good job right now, man. Keep going. All right. Take, really take care of yourself, Wally. Really appreciate right. it. See you, All right, man. Wait, take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take it easy. to the flow theory podcast you can listen to our podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify and tune in